0: from the beautiful art house studios in Nashville, Tennessee. This is The Pivot, stories of people who've made a change. Welcome to The Pivot. My name is Andrew Osinga. My guest today is Ginny Owens. Jenny Owens is a singer, songwriter, an author, an occasional professor, and a current seminary student. Now, a lot of you might know Jenny from her music, uh, but some of you may be new to Jenny, and if you are, something that is worth knowing is that she's blind. I'm telling you this not because it defines her, because it does not, but it is a particular challenge that she faces. Now, if you are a person who doesn't hang around a lot of artists, you might not realize this, but we, artists, we like to think we're very special, and if we are late, or we forget to do something, you should let us off the hook because our circumstances are just so much more important than yours. Uh, This is a thing that I've spent the last 10 years of my life actively fighting, but for some reason it seems to be inherent in a lot of artists. Now I say this because I have never heard Jenny Owens make an excuse and often she has one. Like right now, she lives in a third floor walk up in New York City and every weekend she has to lug her gear and her merch up the stairs after a flight. She'll ask for help if someone's around, but if not, she's okay. Don't tell her she can't do something, except drive. You're going to love this chat with Jenny, just like I always love my chats with Jenny. She is such a thoughtful and kind person, and there's so much to learn from her journey, what she's been through already, and what she has just thrown herself head into right now. I am so proud of her, and I'm honored to call her a friend. Now, after that introduction, I'm going to make an excuse of my own. I was hoping to post this interview two weeks ago, Um, but that was a crazy week. I ended up playing uh, five shows here in Nashville uh, and having my regular job. So um, the first uh, Tuesday night, we had the local show, which is a bi-weekly songwriter round that I I book and Andrew Peterson and I kind of host. And um, Amy Grant was with us, Jess Ray, the Grey Havens, and, and me, the four of us were on the bill and couldn't say no to that. It was awesome. And right after that show, I raced across town and My buddy Ben Shive and I got to back up uh, our dear friend Jasmine Mullen, who's the lead singer from a band called The New Respects. It was her first solo show on her birthday. It was awesome. It was so much fun. And the next night, Christopher Williams and I played a house show for Young Life Capernaum staff. Young Life Capernaum is uh, for kids with disabilities. And we got to play for these staff people and share some songs with them and open for Judah and the lion in somebody's living room. So fun. Um, And then... Friday night of that week, Andy Gullahorn had an album release show, and he asked Gabe, Scott, and I to come and back him up on acoustic guitars and sing around like one mic and in this cool theater. It was so fun. Uh, and the very next night, I went over to Jeremy Casella's house uh, because he was doing a supporter dinner concert, and he asked me to be a part of that. I was so honored to be asked to do any of those things. That I couldn't say no, but it was a crazy week, and Uh, Doing the podcast is something that I deeply love, but it takes a lot of time, and I just didn't have it. So that's my excuse for last week. And then this week, I was going to do it over Thanksgiving, and we ended up having some kind of family health issues that uh, took precedence. So uh, as I tell you that Ginny does not make excuses, I'm giving you a couple of my own. Um, I'm also going to say that because the podcast takes a lot of time, we have some really great guests coming up, but if we're being honest, I've probably... Overextend myself a little bit in this season. So in December, we're going to keep having episodes every week, but I'm going to actually share a couple old episodes again. Uh, a lot of people have just found the podcast as it's been growing and actually got a text just two days ago uh, from my friend Dave. And uh, he said, hey man, I just actually started listening to your podcast and I love it. What would you recommend I listen to? There's like 50 episodes, which is so cool. So I thought I'm going to answer that by in December releasing a couple of those older episodes while I get the next uh, batch ready and just give myself a little bit of a break, especially in the Christmas holiday season. So uh, thank you for your understanding there. Uh, We're not going away at all. We're just going to take a little breather and uh, get the next season ready for you. So I want to give you the update there. Uh, So the other thing I want to tell you before Christmas is about Lavoso pens. And I've mentioned this a few times, but Lavoso. Stands for Love Orphans, Visit Orphans, Serve Orphans, and it's a pen company, uh, pen like ink pens, like you write with, uh, from India, and it was started by a pivot listener, who moved to India years ago, and runs an orphanage over there. But orphanage is not really the right word. Uh, Andy, who runs this company, uh, actually was in Nashville for a couple of days two weeks ago, and we got to have coffee, and he told me the whole story, and he and his family have actually adopted. Over forty boys, almost fifty kids, uh, and so it's not an orphanage; it's a family home. And I, I could just cry telling you the story. It's so powerful. Um, but one of the things he does with his sons is he wants to teach them jobs and life skills and get them some savings so they can go to go to college. And they do that by selling these handmade pens. And he brought me a, a way too many of them. He's so generous. And I'm actually trying to be a little more analog in my life. So I actually just got a notebook for work. So I'm not taking notes on my computer all the time, but then I'm actually doing it doing it by hand. And I hope that can help me focus a little bit. But I'm using these Lavoso pens, and it's just a treat. They, they write so well. They're beautiful. People ask about them. And by buying these pens, you're helping boys have a chance to uh, to make a better life for themselves. And so Christmas is coming up. If you want to get gifts for your family, your friends, for people that you work with, uh, what a gift. Something that people need that does really great things in the world. So Lavoso L-O-V-O-S-O dot com. Check that out and please support them. I also want to give a quick shout out to Personas Audio down in Louisiana. They make recording equipment and live sound gear, uh, sound boards, things like that. Actually, the very first preamp I ever bought was a little Personas Blue Tubes. I've loved their gear for a long time, and I record all my podcasts, actually, through uh, my Personas preamps. I needed a little portable rig so I can do voiceovers at home and not always have to drive out to the art house or if I need to do an interview somewhere else. And um, they hooked me up with a new little interface, and this is my first time using it right now, and it sounds great. And they're an awesome company. They have been for years. So, if you're into recording or podcasting or any of that stuff, please check out Personas Audio, personus.com, P R E S O N U S. Can't recommend their stuff highly enough. I actually fooled one of my favorite mix engineers who thought I was using like $3,000 Neve preamps, and they were like $100 Personas preamps because they sounded so good. So, please check them out as well. Now, without any further ado, here's a conversation with my dear friend, Ginny Owens. Mm-hmm. Like, I've known about you for a very long time. Thousands of years. Thousands of years. As long as
1: I've known about you, probably.
0: Probably. Yeah. But we've really gotten to know each other over the last few years. Yes. Which has been really wonderful.
1: Yeah, wasn't our first event together something where, like... I was, like, two people showed up. And I think, was that the night that I was totally sick? And it you was. No you were voice? sick. There
0: were more than two. Uh, there were not, more. But not a um, Okay, not there were, a like, lot more.
1: 25 or something. Yeah. And it
0: was uh, it was one of those fundraisers where you're, like, yes. they're definitely losing money.
1: Yes, definitely. But we've, I, I mean,
0: you, I remember we did some shows where, like, when when I was in Cademan's. Yes. You were a part of the bill. So, like, I, you know, we would chat, but, like. Yeah. As far as, like, kind of hanging out or writing songs together, that's more recent. Um, I know.
1: Bless the nonprofit show with 25 people for bringing us together. (laughs) Where
0: Steve Mason was the bass player. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Yes. Which was So I feel like I know you in conversation, but I actually don't know a whole lot about how you got to Nashville and started music. And I would love to hear uh, that part of your story. So I know you're from Mississippi.
1: Yeah, from Jackson, Mississippi. And there's a whole crew of
0: you guys from Mississippi that, like, the same...
1: I know it is. There's quite a few Did of us. Did you all like,
0: go to school together, Moke and You know, Moke Trent was in Dabs. youth group
1: with me, which is okay. so great because I remember Moke getting up and playing his songs um, on oh guitar and adorable, like as a seventh grader, just like playing his heart out. It was amazing. So, oh, I love yes. that. Um, yeah, now he's cool and like ironic and all that, but <laughs> back then, <laughs> yeah, he was just like playing his songs. It was great. So yeah, I think a lot of us did um Trent n- I think knew my brother. Okay. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty funny. But I didn't really know like you kind of get here, you don't come together, right? And so yeah. then when you get here and then people are like, "Oh, and this other person's here and the, you know." But I actually came to Nashville to go to Belmont University. Okay. Um, I had a scholarship, a full scholarship, so it was actually the only place I could afford to go to school.
0: God bless it.
1: I know, which isn't probably not would have not happened in this in today, um, and probably most students. Don't. You even you taught there. I did, yeah.
0: So that I mean, that's
1: pretty great. I know, full it's, circle. It's very much full circle. So a lot of fun, but but I came here and I thought I was going to major in psychology or you know journalism or just anything other than music and i think it took a whole two weeks for me to become a music major oh that's funny um yeah i just couldn't stay away um and then i was a performance and, and music ed major and um thought you know well i'll have teaching to kind of fall back on but Right before my senior year, I had an experience where um, a professor, after I had, had done an audition, a professor said in front of some other friends of mine, Jenny, your voice is just weak, and you're probably not ever going to be able to do this for a living. So, you know, I don't, I don't really know how to help you, but your voice is too weak to, to sing publicly. So I uh, took that opportunity wow. to actually just uh, stop my... You know, right before my senior year, of course, stop my uh, performance major and and just shut that down, which is great. Then I didn't have to do two additional recitals. So I only had to do one recital, finish my music ed degree, and I decided I was going to be the best music teacher ever in the world. Um, And plus, I I kind of thought it was probably a more legit career anyway, just because people always think uh, if you're blind that you're just going to be a musician, like you're going to go sing because that's all you can do. So I thought, well, if I teach... Do you really feel like that's a thing? Yeah, I I definitely did then. I mean, now I I guess I don't care if people (laughs) think that, but back then I definitely cared. So I, um, yeah, I just decided that maybe... You know, I could just be – you know, I could teach kids to, to read chord charts and teach them to sing background vocals and, you know, just have a lot of fun teaching them about blues and jazz and all the things that I loved about commercial music while also teaching them classical music, um, you know, in choir and stuff like that. So I, um, I headed out to find a job as a teacher. But – well, oh, the ironic part was so because I dropped a major right before my senior year, I had this – before my student teaching semester, I had one semester where I had to take all the general ed classes that I didn't take as a music major all those years before.
0: So you just had to, like, cram mm-hmm. the whole Yeah. So thing. I took, like, yeah.
1: 23 hours of general eds, and nine of them were science. Oh. So it was brutal. awesome. And then I had Western Civ and math. And the great thing was I wrote almost my entire first album during that semester. What? So, yeah, it was great. So um, So, yeah, then I student-taught. <laughs> Went out in the big world, looked for a job as a teacher, and found very quickly that administrators were, um, you know, rather concerned or freaked out at the idea of hiring a blind person to teach their students music. Really? Yeah. So, which I I get now. I certainly get that more now than I did Hmm. then. Um, But, so I would walk into an interview where, you know, the administrator had been very excited on the phone, and, and they would literally just freak out kind of in that moment and just kind of have some excuse to cut the interview short so after a few months of that I remember just being really discouraged and just not not being certain what I should do my parents were like you should go home or you should come home and you can just find a job teaching here and I was like I'm not going back I just know Mm. I'm supposed to be here. And so I found a job, uh, a desk job, as a telemarketer calling nonprofits – I mean, sorry, calling – Uh, Companies um, to set up meetings with nonprofits to basically fundraise. So, as an introvert, that was a very delightful job. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, do you want to give us some money, please? Eight
0: hours a day. Yeah, it
1: was it was fantastic. Um, And then I started working uh, at Vanderbilt University, which was a lot more fun. But uh, during that time, I had had an opportunity to sing at church. At the time, I was going to Brentwood Baptist and they had asked me to sing for um, Belmont Day because this was still when Belmont was a a Baptist-affiliated school. Okay. And I don't know. It was super sweet for them to ask me, but I kind of think they're like, if the blind girl sings, maybe we will raise more money. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. But whatever happened, I got to sing the offertory, and I sang a song I had written. And there was a guy in the congregation who was an audio engineer and at the time had worked with a lot of – you know bands like Point of Grace, and I'm trying to even remember who else, but but some kind who of was it? Who's CCM. who's a guy named uh, Doug Serrett. No way. Yeah, you know him.
0: Yeah, oh, his that's wife awesome. is on Young Life staff. Oh, and Eve. We do a lot yeah, of Young Life right. stuff together. Yeah, oh my they're gosh. amazing.
1: Yeah, they seem so cool. Like I, I run into them every now and then, but it's so funny because he was instrumental in really helping me get signed, and then I hardly ever saw him after that. Oh my goodness. I know it's I so crazy, no but yeah, he. Uh, so we made a demo of, uh, a few of my songs, um, cause he said, do you want to maybe do music for a living? And I said, well, I don't know if I'm good enough. And he said, I really don't know either, but I think yeah. it's something unique. So we should at least record it and see what happens. Mm. Yeah. So we did that and, uh, he would call me every few months and say, um, nothing yet, no word yet back from any friends, but I'll let you know. And then eventually he said, there's a publisher that wants to meet with you. And at that point I had been going through all these interviews where, you know, everybody had kind of been freaked out when I showed up. So Mm. I, uh, I said, well, I wonder if I should kind of call him ahead of time Mm. and warn him that I can't see. And I decided against it, showed up. Um, we had a great time. He, you know, said, I'd love to start working with you. Um, he explained to me how the music business is kind of like you know, at first it's it's good to have a dating relationship, get to know each other, and then you decide if you want to get married. So I'll never forget that from the first meeting. But I ended up working with him for eight mm. years, a guy named Michael purrier So do you know Michael?
0: I signed with Michael purrier when oh I was 18. Oh my
1: gosh, that's amazing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I have not probably talked to him since I was 20.
1: Oh my gosh. Is well, he he's moved
0: on? No, yeah.
1: he's doing great. He's He teaches at Belmont now He too. does, he crazy. Does. Oh yeah. my gosh. So fun. But Michael has always just been a, a rock and a, and a great friend. So mm-hmm. we wrote, uh, I wrote for his companies for him at, at BMG and then at Universal for eight, nine years, 10 wow. years, something like that. So, so at so what point did
0: you start making records then?
1: About a year later, okay. um, he started to send me around to write with different writers and he said, You'll be signed within a year to a record label, and I was like, "You have to be kidding!" You're like,
0: but this one guy told me that. my <laughs> first- Yeah,
1: yeah, this is not going to happen. Um, and so, and I knew I was very shy, and and my voice was different from other people. So I, I really just thought he's he's crazy. And sure enough, we began kind of making the rounds and um, ended up meeting with um, Michael W. Smith. And Don Donahue and the guys at Rocket Town Records. And I just, I, I loved Chris Rice and Nathan and Christy Knuckles were there at the time. And yeah, I just thought, this, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. So it, hmm. it kind of worked out. And yeah.
0: So at the time, what what were you doing? Were you working at Vanderbilt?
1: I was working at Vanderbilt and then uh, going to write uh, every day or two. Okay. I, I can't remember my schedule, but I had a part-time or like three-fourth time. Um, schedule at Vanderbilt, so Got my it. boss was great about letting me go if I needed to, and hmm. um, so it was great. Yeah, I literally worked until after my first record came out, and then a couple of months after that, I just couldn't couldn't do both anymore. But yeah, but I really enjoyed working at Vanderbilt. There was something what about were you doing there. I was an administrative assistant, okay. so I did lots of typing letters and copying things. So there was something sort of <laughs> nice and ordinary about that about that world you know after Mm -hmm. sort of some days of music work you know Mm -hmm. so yeah it was fun it was a a fun adventure and you know at the time it felt like it was taking forever for anything to to happen or to change but it really it really wasn't I mean it happened all very quickly now I look back
0: it's not a trip
1: yeah it always is
0: so then how old were you when you started as a as a professional artist
1: so, I was I guess, let's see. I would have been 25, I guess, okay. maybe when my first album came out, or 24, 25, yeah. something like that. And um yeah, so and then it was just off to the races. Yeah, did you
0: start traveling right away?
1: I did. I started traveling and um I was not a good traveler at first. And then um some some well-meaning and and uh, honest people said you're gonna have to work on your attitude and hmm. i i worked on it and became maybe a little bit too too good at traveling and <laughs> too good at saying yes to everything so um still working on undoing that a little but um mm-hmm. but no it was great and the really fun thing uh in those days at rocket town was uh, it was the label of singer-songwriters and yeah. so we would tour together and so chris rice and Nathan Christie and Cindy Morgan and uh, Sean Groves when he came along and
0: man what great people. Oh
1: it was so much fun and even um the Dentes out of the Gray was on the label for a bit and oh. so just to go on stage and you know sort of do a round every night where everyone's you know sitting at their instrument and hmm. um, on stage, and we're playing on each other's songs. It's just I realized after you know, because that that only lasted for a short season, and everyone else started kind of doing their own things. But every other tour I went on after that, I just thought, man, it's just not the same yeah. as being on stage and and playing, you know, uh, with your friends. So hmm. it was it was a really sweet time. Um, it was I had I really struggled to kind of learn how to. Uh, Sleep on a bus, or you know, sleep in general, Um, and just things like that were kind of hard in the beginning. But uh, you know, they they eventually sort of got easier, and and the road got more fun. So Hmm. yeah, it's very very cool. So
0: and I know that one of the biggest challenges is obviously that it's hard to see when you're blind. It's hard to see when you're blind. And and so traveling and being in a different place every day. Being in the spot where you were kind of doing that now, day in day out, did that was that a bigger challenge, or is that like I mean, that's you've been that's doing a it your whole question. life.
1: Yeah, it's weird now. Well, I remember uh, my manager at the time saying to me, "There will be a day where, when you just love the road and you will miss it when you're not mm. out on the road." And I was like, "You're you're crazy." And that day has definitely arrived. Like if I'm home for too long, I I do kind of miss going out and getting to meet people, and mm. um, but you know when we first started i guess it was a bit challenging just because it was all so new and yeah. so to have i guess to have one sense missing when you're sort of trying to take in all the new it was it was pretty pretty challenging um but i don't know if i would have ever thought of it as you know being difficult because i couldn't see um but i'm sure that that did play into it certainly a lot easier to to walk around when you don't have to ask people where you are so um, or where you need to be. So yeah, there were definitely some some hard sort of adjustments to make early on, and just le- and learning to be flexible was very key. You mm. know, just learning to be patient and wait for you know help or be flexible if you know someone needed to, to help later or or if you needed to hurry up and do something now just because it was easier for other people. So I think I, I began to yeah. to learn a lot about that. Early on.
0: Wow! Yeah.
1: Good lessons, not nothing wrong with those at all. So.
0: You're making records, and you're with a great group of people, uh, and that season um, is sweet. And then it ends. And what does it look like when, when that season kind of closes?
1: You know, it was an interesting season all around. Um, I was. Um, let's see. I actually completed my contract with Rocket Town, so I, f- I fulfilled my entire contract, made what all my records. What a unicorn, finishing I know. a whole record deal. I know, and everyone else had, had kind of left. I mean, not everyone, but but most everyone had left. So, um, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, Rocket Town said, well, you could make more records, and you can pay for them, and we will market. But they were kind of moving to this model where they – Brought in independent bands who had made their own albums, and mm-hmm. so they were marketing a lot of things that sounded very different than what we had done yeah. when we first began. And and also we were sort of getting into the streaming era, and um, MP3s and all of that. The great, you know, I- dip. iTunes was just starting. Yeah, so everyone was trying to figure out how to adjust to that. Um, so that was going on, and I was sort of having a, a crisis. I was just so used to being uh, nonstop. And, mm-hmm. and not you know sort of thinking about the future but having to live the hundred things that had to be done today and so not thinking enough about the future but I also was just I was kind of in a dark place we had been really busy on the road I had started um, dating a guy that I had absolutely no business dating um, so it was one of those seasons and so all of the, so the record label you know the the official deal came to an end. The relationship came to an end, all about the same time. So, yeah. So then what? It was really fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was actually very traumatic, just because yeah. I had worked with the label for for ten years and or nine years, I guess, mm. and knew that that we, you know, that they were changing and that it was time to do something else. But did, you know, what do you do when when that momentum has been there for so long? Yeah. And then uh, the relationship needed to end, but that was also super painful. So it's a very, very dark season. Uh, the first thing I did was make a Christmas record because why not? So um, I made an, uh, a Christmas record independently that I did with uh, Tony Lucido and Will, Will Sales. Oh, my gosh. I know. They were my band. The most fun dudes <laughs> on the planet. I know. They're such – oh, my gosh. They're such crazy guys. I can't believe it. Um so we we made that record together, had a blast, and then, um the next year, I went to New York um for the summer and which kind of extended into the fall. I took mm. some writing classes at Columbia University. I just needed to get away um, yeah. the Nashville was feeling very small, you know, kind of felt like everyone knew my business and you know all that stuff that you feel that's probably not really true, but you know when you're when you're kind of in that state, you're a little delusional. So mm. moved to New York, um, helped lead some worship. Um, was able to I had listened to um, Tim Keller, you know, at Redeemer for for years and years, um, just being on the road, and so was able to um, enjoy you know some some. Tim Keller sermons up close and personal, which was so great, and um, got to know some some people at Redeemer and made some some lifelong friends that mm. I have to this day, which is super fun. Um, and then I got ready to move to New York. I kind of thought, well, maybe this is the next step. And just about that time, my mom was diagnosed with um, advanced stage breast and lymph node cancer. Mm. And so since I'm the one of her two kids that has a job that can be done from anywhere, as long as there's an airport. I um, moved home to kind of be with her during treatments and surgery and all that. So um, moved from New York to Jackson, Mississippi, basically. Um, so very- As the story goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bit of a culture shock to kind of- I bet. Move. It had
0: been probably, what, over 10 years yeah, since you've been living back in Jackson. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. It was a whole whole different- season Hmm. um and then was there for about eight months and she um she did very very well she she came out of her surgery and treatment uh cancer free that's great which was incredible so uh on the other side of that i went back to nashville and uh started teaching um at belmont started teaching songwriting first just uh, one class and then a few classes as an adjunct. So, got how, to I mean, t- how do
0: you get involved in teaching?
1: Well, um, how does that happen? I, gosh, I don't even remember now how it happened, but I got a call from, um, from the head of the songwriting department, who is James Elliott. Mm-hmm. And James said, Hey, um, maybe I'd even applied earlier to teach. I, I'm not – I can't even remember. But James just said, hey, we're looking for uh, a new teacher for songwriting one. Uh, so do you want to – would you be interested in talking more? And it was kind of a great sort of excuse to move back to Nashville. So it just made for a great transition, sort of a very natural transition back to back to Nashville. Um, Mom was doing well and um, finishing her treatment And so it was a, yeah, it was a good kind of place to, Mm. to move, um, move along. And then I just sort of, you know, dove, dove into teaching and began to do more and more of that. And then, um, would still travel on the weekends and then started worship leading and yeah, kind of just, just was, um, I don't know, it felt like I was on a. Uh, again, kind of getting myself in the pattern of just letting life happen, you know, just sort of being so busy Mm -hmm. that you just do the next thing. And so there was a point uh, a couple of years later where a friend, a good friend who's also a great business person just said, you know, what do you want to do? You know, what do you really want to do? What do you feel like God is is really leading you to do or calling you to do? And I knew that, uh, what I was not doing was was being on the road and uh, really sharing with people and writing songs to, you know, you know share hope with them, share the gospel with them, and I knew that was what I was supposed to be doing more of again. So and to be intentional, I was supposed to be intentional about it. So I uh, began to just, you know, work on work on that and um, made a, a record called "I Know a Secret." Um, that uh, word distributed um, based around the passage in Philippians 4.12 that says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, mm. uh, whether living in plenty or in want. And, of course, we it goes on to say the, the most overquoted, overused verse, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. But, you know, just after that sort of time of leaving Rocket Town and, and um, in the breakup and then going through cancer, Uh, with my mom or just experiencing, you know, her journey through cancer secondhand, Um, I think there was a lot of anxiety surrounding that for me. And just this sort of, even after I came back to Nashville, just this level of anxiety always going on in, in the back of my head, which is probably pretty common for all of us as musicians, all of us as creatives kind of have that that level of anxiety, you know, to some degree or yeah. another, um, but but I really thought um, as I sort of meditated on that verse, I just realized Paul knew something about his Christian faith that I did not know. He knew that there was a secret um, to to being content, and that that secret was was found in being hidden in Christ. And so mm-hmm. I really wanted to explore that. So that whole album was just you know exploring what it meant to. You know, to find that secret of contentment. And then we went on the road and and I needed to dig deeper into that secret of contentment because yeah. being on the road, especially full time, uh, was different than it had been even a few years earlier. Um just everything had changed. Hmm. So so yeah, it was a new day. But so was that
0: did you feel like making that record was an answer to that question that uh that your friend asked you, what what do you want to do? What do you really want to be doing?
1: Yes, it absolutely was. Mm. It was and it, it kind of changed the I guess it changed my trajectory a bit. I um I knew it was time to stop teaching um not forever maybe, but I knew that you know, um there were just some other things that, that I needed to be doing. And so um plus I yeah, as much as I love teaching songwriting I think I songwrite for the purpose of communicating a message. Yeah. So when when you're spending your days editing songs and, you know, as much as I love, you know, pop songs and country songs and whatever, when you're sort of trying to help craft a song or, or you know, sort of act almost like a publisher um, in, in those classes, it just, it's sort of not... It, it wasn't necessarily inspiring at yeah. the end of the day. I, I loved the students and I loved hearing their work, but I was sort of not finding a place to continue writing my own songs, hmm. um, just because my I was so brain dead from from trying to think about what to do with their songs. Yeah. So So I knew it was time to to kind of move on into the next phase. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So how long had you taught for?
1: So I taught for I guess about five six years. Oh wow. Yeah.
0: And that's longer than I realized
1: yeah it was it was a long time and then I just have continued to do some mentorships and stuff mm-hmm. through Belmont too which has been so fun I love it I, and I definitely miss it I miss the students yeah. I miss hearing you know what they're doing and just being there and, and experiencing their energy and you know all mm-hmm. of that so it was a lot of fun
0: but you you were not you were not done with school clearly <laughs> no so I was not done with uh, a few months ago you you call me and I, I'm like, "Hey, Jenny, what's up?" Like, hey, I just wanted to tell you, <laughs> I'm moving to New York City next week. Yeah, you, you know, year what eight years after the first time you right. were thinking about it,
1: mm-hmm. and and going to school to, tell me about that. <laughs> well, um, so I've always wanted to go to seminary. It's always been something I I. Thought I would do something I hoped to do. I started taking some online classes right after college, and I had discovered that being on the road and trying to finish your final exams was not doable. So I'd do great on the quizzes and the tests and then make (laughs) 73 on my exams. I was like, no, I've got to stop. This is not good. Um, so, but I have continued to sort of listen to seminary classes over the years, just, you know, um, without getting graded on papers. And, um, so I, I've thought that that would be something I wanted to do. Um, and I also have always hoped that I could move back to New York city and I can't even really tell you why, except I think, you know, I I hope it's okay to say, I think God really has just laid that on my heart for some reason. Um, the reasons it, it that I'm okay to say that. <laughs> reasons I'm not entirely sure of, but every time I've gone back to visit friends, I've I've literally thought, oh God, could I please live here again? It would be so much fun. Mm. So, um, last New Year's, I went to after sort of a hectic December of touring, and then going to five states to visit family or no, maybe it's three states, but it was a lot of states in the period of Christmas week. I was like, I'm so done. So I went to New York for New Year's to see friends. And um, I don't know, during that trip, I really just began to ask God for clarity and just said, I would really love to live here. And I knew that um, there was a branch of uh, Reformed Theological that had started um, at the Redeemer campus. And so I, um, had several friends that were in that program and I just thought, I wonder if this is something I should do. Um, you know, surely it's not, but maybe, maybe I Mm. should just check into it, but I'm sure it's not. (laughs) So a month later in uh, February, I came back to the city to visit some classes with a friend and then attended a, a conference, um, during the weekend at Redeemer. And it was all amazing. And, uh, but I, I talked with the admissions guy from, uh, from seminary and he just said, well, you really have to be living here. And, um, and I don't really know, you know, we, we don't have a lot of ability to help with accessibility issues and and things like that. You know, we're so small, so I don't know. Hmm. Um, so then I was like, well, yeah, uh, no, this isn't happening. I shouldn't apply. Or um, So I just kind of put it away for a few months. I was on the road a lot and just didn't think about it. And then in April, uh, just maybe a week before the deadline, um, <laughs> <laughs> the admissions director called me and he said, well, hey, what are you thinking? And I said, well, I'm still not living there yet. And uh, I know that, you know, this is maybe something you um, – you felt like I should live there. And also you felt like the accessibility might be an issue. And so I just haven't really known whether to apply or not. He's like, oh, well, you might as well go ahead and apply.
0: I mean, <laughs> it won't hurt,
1: you know. Um, And then I, you know, I asked a few friends and I, several friends knew and had been praying. But um I remember I actually talked to Michael Card, who's a good friend. I always text him when I have theological questions and, you know, just, I don't know, questions about you know, I don't know anything yeah. about life. He just sang on his record like yeah. 45 minutes ago down the yes. hall. yep. So uh, one morning at 7 a.m., I'm like, I'm trying to make a decision about whether to go to seminary. Would you maybe write a recommendation for me, or what do you think? Should I? Should I? Anyway, but he um, he told me. Um, and I'm trying to remember, I think it was maybe a Chesterton quote, but he told me this quote about, which of course I can't remember now, but it was basically about <laughs> if if something keeps nudging you, if you keep sort of feeling a nudge or an ache in your spirit about something and it doesn't go away, that very likely is God you know, speaking to you. Mm. He said it much more eloquently than that, but it's very likely, you know, God speaking to you about either something that you need to do or something that you need to very seriously consider doing and, and, you know, very seriously be in prayer about it.
0: Mm.
1: And so, um, so after that, I just, uh, I, I really, um, I went ahead and applied and really just was serious about praying for it. And, uh, Sorry, the story is very long. Yay for editing! Um, so I—that's <laughs> <laughs> great. I um, I basically I applied, and then I got a call about a week later from the guy who is the executive director of that campus of the New York campus, and he said, "I went to school with your parents. I went to RTS with your parents, mm. Jackson." And he's like, "I remember praying for you as a three-year-old." um, that your sight would be restored. Cause that was, that was the point when I was losing my eyesight. Mm. So, so crazy. I had no idea. Like I didn't know he was there. And anyway, so I've, after we connected and then, you know, a few more weeks, I, I was accepted and began the process of moving to New York. So, um, somehow all the pieces fell into place. I found a place to live um, it was actually pretty painless um, to to sort of make make that transition. It was it was you know very very busy for a few months, but um, but really the doors opened and so here I am studying Greek and Old Testament and all kinds of fun things um, in addition to traveling every weekend. So yeah. life is a nonstop party,
0: it really is. <laughs> well, it sounds just like life is nonstop.
1: But life is nonstop.
0: Learning Greek, yeah, and then traveling every weekend all over the country playing shows, yeah. And you were telling me that you live on a you live third floor.
1: Yes, third floor.
0: <laughs> and you, so you'll third come back from, walk up. So you come back from some from weekend trips, and you've got bags of merch and yes, yeah,
1: fifty pound bags of merch. So I just pray, Lord, give me strength, and then I hoist them up and carry them up the stairs it's quite come a process on. yeah come on so i am just getting all kinds of i'm, I'm going to be able to like lift you soon so <laughs> i'm getting there getting all the muscles and all dare the,
0: it's on <laughs> um
1: all the back aches all the everything
0: but you were telling me too that there's something there's something pretty amazing about living in new york
1: there's so many amazing. things. I mean, being things. in a, being
0: in a <laughs> always growing up in a city where you need cars to get around. Right.
1: Yes. So for me, New York, w- one of the things that one of the sort of allures of New York, I guess for me, has been that I can walk and take the subway everywhere or the bus. So I've loved that. So I can walk outside and just go do all my errands and not ever have to, you know, pay you know a cab a million dollars or ask you know for help but what i also love in new york is that people are very friendly and very helpful in general and so which is not what what people think you
0: assume yeah
1: yeah no i don't i don't know i've just never had any other experience so um Hmm. yeah people are just they're super helpful and man they tell you the most amazing stories I've, i've started to keep a journal of just the stories i hear every day from people so
0: these are just people walking up to you randomly yeah
1: just walking up, hey, you want to help crossing the street? And then they tell me a story or, you know. Okay, give,
0: us, give us like one or two.
1: <laughs> one or two. Okay. So um, a few weeks ago, I'm walking home and I have about 10 blocks to go. And this lady comes up. She's like, you want help crossing the street? Uh, my accent's terrible. So <laughs> sorry, all <laughs> the people in podcast land. You can yell at me later, but um, I'm just like sure because yeah, well, I've also learned that if you tell people no, thanks, I'm okay, which you can do, but it sort of hurts their feelings. So I I'm good to just hang out with them and walk across the street with them and chat. So I'm like, sure, I'll <laughs> walk with you. That'd be great. And so she's she's we're walking across the street. She goes, Yeah, I got hit by a car once. <laughs> <I'm> like great, <laughs> fantastic. And she said, um, So
0: she does that's one of the first <laughs> things she says.
1: Yeah. One of the first things, I was like, really? Where were you? She's like, oh, I was going to get a manicure. She's like, and this kid, he just pulls out in his car, like right in front of me, like just hits me. She's like, and I just sat on the hood of his car. I scared him to death. I just like sat on his car. And then I told him, I'm a lawyer. You better watch yourself. I'm a lawyer because I am. I was like, great. I was like, well, did you go to your manicure? She's like, oh, totally. She's like, I was not going to miss that manicure. My husband showed up like because he was going to take me to the hospital. I was like, heck no, I'm going to go get my manicure. So, and then she was gone. She was just like, okay, this is Trader Joe's. See ya. <laughs> so, so amazing. Fantastic. So, but there's also been times, like one day I was in an Uber with a guy who was from um, Afghanistan and he's been here for three or four years. And I was like, does it get really cold in the winter? And I just remember I had had a really bad day or something. It's just been mm-hmm. an exhausting day. And I was like, does it get really cold in the winter? And he said, oh yeah, it gets really cold. And especially because our power works intermittently. So it's not on all the time. So you don't have heat for most of the day. So you just, you know, put on a lot of jackets and, you know, have a lot of blankets and, you know, try to, try to build a fire when you can find things to build the fire with. I was like, okay, perspective. Wow. So you, you meet people that tell you stories like that as well. Like I met another guy who's from Africa and he was a college professor over there, but he drives for for Uber and Lyft in the U.S. Um, just because that's the job that he can get right now. Um, but he has all this hope of, of saving enough money to go back and really help his country. So mm. it's just, and that's what I love about being on the road. I'm sure you do too, is just hearing people's stories and, you know, being moved by, by what they're telling you. So I feel like I get to do that without going on the road in New York, which is really, really beautiful. Um I want to, I want to learn how to be more bold about just, you know, getting into conversations about faith and, and eternity. Um, I haven't figured out how to do that in 30 seconds or less yet, (laughs) but I feel like there's such an opportunity to do that. And, uh, and so, but yeah, I've really enjoyed, Hmm. um, getting to just, just see the world. I, I guess in New York, what's really fun for me is, is you do get to see the world because you're out in it, you know, you're sort of walking in it, you're talking to people in it, um, Other than, rather than here, where or in Nashville, where you're in a car, yeah, you don't get to see the world if you can't see. And you only
0: see. I mean, typically, you're you're with the people that you already know, the people in your circles. Sure. Outside of being in the store.
1: Yes. Absolutely.
0: Randomly walking into people who are say,
1: "Hey, can I walk with you?" Right. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. So I think it's it's been very, very cool. It's it's definitely you're always on, which which is a little hard. You know, you don't Mm. ever kind of get to disconnect because you always have to think about what you're walking around and like after we have all these box trees or whatever you know like they're trees in boxes yeah in the middle of the sidewalk and on my block so I have to think okay here comes the next tree you mm. know you just have to think constantly about what's happening next yeah but um but it's fun it really is It really is fun
0: I oh, think that's so awesome I'm yeah. just yeah I was so proud of you when you made that decision and I'm glad it's going well
1: it is. It's. It's also fun to be. Um, what my fun is maybe the wrong word. It's very exciting and special to be studying something that you that you absolutely love and want to be studying. So mm. that was a little bit of my fear going back to school. Was man, is this gonna? Am I gonna enjoy this? Is this gonna be? Uh, not only can I can I master the work, but you know, will this really be fulfilling? And and it absolutely is. I think that's the fun thing about going back to school a second time. Is you you go because you want to and so you get to yeah. study things that you want to study so Man, that's, that's been great. really fun and so yeah.
0: you'll en- like you'll end with what kind of degree
1: with well, a master of biblical studies
0: and is there some is there some sort of goal after that or is it like i just want to learn i just want to learn this
1: well i think there are goals that i don't <laughs> I, there, there are things the spot, that, yeah. no, there are things that I think I'll use it for that I don't know about yet. But, mm. um, I do so much speaking and, and even writing now, whether it's songwriting or just, you know, writing. Um, I mean, I've written a couple of books and, you know, different things like that. So I feel like more of that is to come and I want to know what I'm doing. And so mm. I think if I can learn you know, how to study the Bible, that will not only help my songwriting, but um, it will help. And, and not even just study the Bible because you don't need seminary for that, but uh, even just learning Greek and, and all of these different things that we have the opportunity to learn. I feel like that will help with what I'm currently doing. But, yeah, I feel like it, you know, it will shape the future in some way or help to, to sort of define the future in some way. But I, I don't know what that is yet. I love that.
0: I love that. I feel like I'm going to use it, but I don't know. I don't know how. Yeah,
1: it's, yeah. But I know how today. That's a at least. that's a really yeah.
0: That's a really th- thoughtful investment.
1: Well, it's it's very special. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'll I'll let you know for sure at the end of the semester how well I enjoyed it <laughs> if I passed my classes. But so far so good. So.
0: Um, no, that's good. But you're and you're still playing out every weekend, so people can go.
1: Yeah, still playing out, putting
0: songs out, about still once coming a month. to
1: Nashville and and recording songs, and yeah. So this week, playing and. Writing songs, and then tomorrow afternoon I head back, and I have 24 hours to finish writing my paper for Thursday and to get ready for my Greek test. So, you know, it, it does feel like um, the 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 fun never ends. So. <laughs>
0: That's awesome, but it's good. Thank you so much for making time to so, do this. I appreciate thank you. It. So there you have it. Jenny Owens, how amazing is she? It's been a treat to get to know her better over the last few years. And I'm really excited for some of the new music she has that will be coming out next year that that she's been working on. It's really fantastic. Um, Jenny, thank you for your time. I want you guys to check out Lovoso Pens, L-O-V-O-S-O. Get some of those for your Christmas presents for people. Uh, Personas Audio, thank you guys again. Uh, The Pivot will be going strong all December with uh, some of the best episodes from the first season, uh, and we'll be back with new, fresh episodes the first of January. So thank you guys so much for everything. We'll see you next week. Now go do something awesome.